strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! One week from tonight. The 2023 NFL schedule comes out. But we don't need no stinking schedule around here to tell us that we're the original Thursday night football. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, soon to be joined by network-level NFL insider Steve Weich, who will join us on this one as we talk all about last Thursday night and beyond the NFL draft that was and everything that was forecasted and spoke into existence when Jonathan Gannon said it a week before that, I can't wait to see Monty Ford work the phones. Man, he wasn't kidding. I mean, that was foreshadowing because uh, Ron Wolfley, your immediate reaction, my immediate reaction, thanks for asking to draft night, would be as follows. If these rookie players can execute as well as the rookie GM did, under pressure during draft weekend, then guess what? This will be a worthwhile 2023 draft class. No, you're right about that, Paulie. Honestly, I, I was really, really impressed with Monty Ford and his manipulation and the machinations back and forth all over this draft. And it wasn't just the first round, Paulie, as you well know. Yeah. It was through the entire draft, day one, day two, and day three. Day one was just a harbinger of things to come for the most part in this draft. Draft. I was so impressed with Monty Ford and his ability to maneuver. But you know me on this, Paulie. These rookies, now it's time to play, Rook. No doubt. You know, they come out with the draft grades. It's just laughable. Nobody really knows. Monty Ford didn't really know how everything would stack up. He said right after the draft, told the media, you know what? It was everything I expected and more, meaning just, you know, how intense it was. In fact, after the entirety of the draft, that's what he said. It was intense. And look, when you trade down from 3 to 12 and then come back up to number 6, think about the fact there hadn't been a draft night trade in the top nine picks in the last four years. And so you were defying history, and you were doing it as a first-time GM, the decision-maker in that war room, and on the most recent edition of the Dave Pash podcast, Monty Ford sat down with the voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash, and he, he kind of gave us all a window as to how those trades came to be. I wanted to go into Thursday with parameters of what was going to happen. I didn't want a cold call to come out of the blue at number three and us start from ground zero. So when number two did come off the board, you know, there were some teams that weren't interested anymore in coming up to number three. There were some teams that were still interested in coming to number three. But we weren't starting from zero. We, we kind of had a ballpark of what we were trying to do. 
And, you know, ultimately we were able to work through and, and come up with a deal that worked. And so those conversations and other interviews, Monty Osvord said, really started at the Combine. Where he went around the combine, Wolfie said, you know, we might pick a number three, but we might not. Would you be interested in discussing the parameters of a trade if you were willing to come up to number three? And so, obviously, you better have the framework of a deal in place because when that clock is ticking and you have ten minutes and counting, pretty tough to put together a deal from scratch. Yeah, Paulie, no doubt about it. And to, to, to move back from number three all the way to number 12 – and to get the haul that he did right there and then move back up and get the best offensive lineman, at least to me, in this draft, I, I man, that is just some great maneuvering by Monty once again. And it's something that will certainly benefit the Arizona Cardinals going forward if they've got a general manager who knows how to swing a deal. This had to be orchestrated, Paulie. It had to be almost simultaneously pulled off. He had to know that he had in his back pocket the ability to come back up to number six and get Paris Johnson Jr. I just, it was masterful. For Houston to go from 12 to 3, the Cardinals ended up with a 12th pick. They ended up with a 33rd pick in this draft. They ended up with a 2024 round one pick. Ding. And then <laughs> the round three pick. So think about that. Right here, right now, as we stand, The Cardinals have six picks in the first three rounds of the 2024 draft, which is already considered by all the experts to be a stronger draft than this year's edition. You think about a Houston Texans team that has won a grand total of 11 games over the last three years, and if they're starting rookie C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryan's great, but what are the odds that that could easily be a top-five pick for the Cardinals? Yeah, no, you're right about that, Paulie. Uh, That could be a top-five. That could be the number-one pick overall. I'm just saying, it could be that. And that makes it so valuable, obviously, to the Arizona Cardinals going forward. Can I also just say this, Paulie, right now? My favorite trade of the draft was Monty Ossenford taking pick number 96 and trading it for picks 122, 139, and 168. <laughs> All right, now listen, I consider mid-round picks 3-5. to five. Three, you know, the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, I consider those to be mid-round picks right there. So you had one mid-round pick at number 96, and you got that traded for three mid-round picks. I love that move right there because it recognizes the fact, especially in this draft, which many people believe wasn't as talented as, as you said, Paulie, next year's draft is going to be. Now, all of a sudden, though, you get three mid-round picks for one mid-round pick at 96. That, to me, is value. Yeah, specifically, you take that late third rounder, and it becomes John Gaines in the fourth round, the guard out of UCLA, who can also play some center. It becomes the quarterback out of Houston, Clayton Toon, round five. And then it becomes Owen Papo, the linebacker, super athletic, out of Auburn, round five. So to your point, you took that one late third round, you turn it into three players in rounds four and five combined. But again, the headliner is number six overall. That would be Paris Johnson Jr., the highest drafted offensive tackle out of Ohio State since Orlando Pace went number one overall in 1997. 
he, br- he brings a lot of different aspects, including positional flexibility. Two years ago, his sophomore year, he started all 13 games at right guard. Last year, he was a starting left tackle, second team All-American. So Jonathan Gannon was asked, where do you think Paris Johnson might play? He's obviously played outside and inside. You know, we just got to get him on the grass and see where he kind of fits in with the other guys. Um, I'm very comfortable, you know, what he's put on tape of playing a lot of different spots on that offensive line. So we'll put the best guys out there and and, uh, hopefully move people in the run game and keep the quarterback upright in the pass game. Wolf, no member of the media watches more of the offensive line drills than you. So that being the case... (laughs) You play fantasy GM right here, fantasy head coach. Where do you think Paris Johnson lines up this season? Yeah, that is a great question right there, Paulie. But for me personally, I'm going to take him and I'm going to stick him at left guard. That's what I'm going to do. Um, Number one, he's on the left side of the line of scrimmage. I see him being a left tackle at some point in time. Paris Johnson, Jr., being a franchise left tackle. So put him on, on the left side of the offensive line at left guard. Put him there. The left guard, traditionally, Polly, the old saying amongst offensive line coaches, the left guard gets more help and gives more help than any other NFL offensive lineman. Hmm. He gets more help and gives more help. And the reason being, of course, because so much of the time, a a right-handed quarterback, you want to attack him with a right defensive end, meaning if you're looking at the defense, it's really over the left tackle, as we all know, your best pass rusher. But if you're looking at it from the defense's perspective, it's a right defensive end. That left tackle matchup right there, you want, obviously, your best offensive lineman because of the blind side of a right-handed quarterback like Kyler Murray. So eventually, you could see that. You could see Paris Johnson Jr. being the left tackle. Why not put him at left guard right now? Will Hernandez is a great fit at right guard. Calvin Beecham at right tackle. I love that right there. Those those four offensive linemen, Paulie, I still think they have some work to do at center, yet at the same time, those four guys right there, I love that. What would you think of Paris Johnson Jr.'s interview on the Red Sea Report this week, including the exchange where we asked him, what do you like on game day? And he immediately replied, violent. <laughs> that was his response. And then he went on to say he doesn't fear the smoke of a – Nick Bosa or a Micah Parsons. He mentioned Devin White on his own, wants to test himself against some of the best in the NFL. He actually wants that challenge now that he's in the NFL. Yeah, you know, Paulie, um, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I'm skeptical of rookies. <laughs> I love Paris. I love this guy. This guy to me was the best offensive lineman in the draft. I just, the, the time of talking is over. It really is. Right now, it's all about doing. I think he's got a great chance of coming in here and making a real impact for the Arizona Cardinals. Actually starting, I think, from day one, I think Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be that guy. But right now, um, be careful what you wish for, Paris, because those guys are really, really good. Yeah. He has a little bit of DJ Humphreys in him. He's got a great personality, big personality, big smile off the field. But then on game day, look out. He is ultra serious, at least. That's the word. That's the way he describes his own personality and the difference between the rest of the week and game day. You can hear more about Paris Johnson Jr., the entire draft class, and the Dave Pash podcast featuring Cardinals GM Monty Austin Ford, available now wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter via at Pod. 
We talk about the rest of this draft, what other picks stand out to Wolf, and what exactly does this mean for next season? Remember, Steve Weich coming up as well on this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Feel really good about how he came out of the draft with the nine draft picks and the ten free agents. That was my first time sitting in a room uh, the entire time, and not gonna lie, I was a little nervous uh, when we're on the clock with like two minutes left, and he had three teams that he was talking to. So uh, it was really cool to see that. Yeah, hence the moniker Monty Hall, H A U L. It was sort of a game show, right? The pressure's on, the clock is ticking. What are you gonna do with the spotlight on you? You're working the phones, you're pulling multiple trades, and everything came together. Just like on a game show or, uh, you know, Kevin Costner style in the movies. And so the Cardinals come away with the draft class and they're set up right now looking at 11 picks in next year's 2024 draft. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, soon to be joined by NFL Network's Steve Weich. But as for this draft and beyond the first round pick, Paris Johnson, Jr. Wolf, who or what stands out to you about this year's edition? Well, let's go what, first of all, okay, and just say this. Paul, did they not have seven picks coming into this draft? (laughs) They did have seven picks, correct? Yeah. Yes, okay, and they came out with nine players, Paul. You tell me how that is. You go in with seven, you come out with nine, and how many picks do the Arizona Cardinals have next year? Eleven? Yep. Um, that is an incredible job, once again, by Monty Ossenfort. That's my first thought, Paulie. Number two, I really love B.J. Ojolari, the edge player from LSU. I love him because this is a guy that has an incredible motor. He is a football player. He's got great football character. And not only that, he was a two-time captain at LSU. I love this guy. I love the pick, mostly because this guy's going to give you everything he's got, and he's going to do it on a consistent basis. Yeah, first-team All-SEC Right, and the stat was since 2020, the only player in college football with more quarterback pressures, Will Anderson. So, <laughs> you know, what, what's intriguing though, because look, you, you left some players on the board when you went 41 overall, BJ Ojolari out of LSU. And, you know, we, we got into this a little bit, Danny Sarek and Darren Urban on Cardinals Underground, when I pointed out that Keon White was there and he went five picks later to New England. Now he's a bigger defensive end, 6'5, 280 something. You had Wisconsin center Joe Tipman on the board. He went two picks later to the Jets. He's considered an instant plug-and-play type center. We know the Cardinals need there. But ultimately in the NFL, it's still about quarterback and getting to the quarterback. Is it not? Yes, it is, Paulie. And once again, I, I also think, too, when you look at Hassan Reddick and what he did for the Eagles, when you look at their defense in Philadelphia, I, I think B.J. Ojolari is very much – like a Hassan Reddick. I, I think he's got a little bit more butt maybe to him, but I think he's a little bit like Hassan Reddick as well. And because of that, I think that was one of the reasons why Monty Ford and JG probably said, hey, you know what, at number 41, this guy checks all the boxes for us. Let's go there. And look, there are conflicting reports how he holds up against the run. We'll find out. We'll find out in camp. How stout is he at the point of attack? And can he set that edge? We'll see. Round three, the Cardinals go for corner, another area position group of dire need. Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, torn ACL in October after eight games. They say he was tracking to be, you know, maybe even a day one pick if he had stayed healthy 
all year long. What'd you think about that? What'd you think about another round three pick, Michael Wilson, the big receiver out of Stanford, who also has an injury history? Well, Paulie, since you went there, I've got to say, hey, listen, uh, the Arizona Cardinals drafted for need. Can I just say that right there? They drafted for need, or at least it certainly looks that way. When you take in the first round an offensive lineman, that's an area of need coming into this draft. When you take an edge player, that was an area of need coming into the draft. When you take a corner and a wide receiver, the only thing that they didn't take, at least high, was a defensive lineman, and they addressed that in round six with pick 213 with Dante Stills from, it's West Virginia, it's West Virginia. So don't get me started on that one, Paul. You know what I think of that pick. I love our six-round pick at 213, Dante Stills, of course. But to me, they drafted for need, and they went and got four guys that I think are going to contribute immediately as rookies. Now, to what degree are they going to contribute? I don't know, Paulie, but... To me, that was my biggest takeaway is they were drafting for need. No doubt. And then in round four, they got John Gaines, the guard out of UCLA, who has also played some center. He's played all over the offensive line. In fact, in 20 and 21, he started five games at center. Last year, all 13 games, a right guard for UCLA. I'm guessing he's going to be given every single shot to make an impression from day one. Here's Monty Austin for the GM from the Dave Pash podcast on the line of scrimmage. I think line of scrimmage players are, are always going to be important to us. You know, I think I think the game starts up there. Um, you know, with John played mainly guard at UCLA, but also saw time at center. Mm-hmm. So you know, those interior guys that that have that versatility to play multiple positions, that's always going to be intriguing. John did an extremely good job with our our coaches on the Zoom. Just liked uh, his makeup and his intellect and his ability to handle the center position, handle the guard position. Um, you know, so that was attractive about adding John to our group. Yeah, there he was at the East-West game, He playing left guard, playing center. They said he got up on the board, and he was just a savant. I mean, the football IQ. <laughs> and he had the fastest short shuttle of any offensive lineman. He played in 45 games, started 30, so he has experience. So, you know what? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen at center, but whether it's a John Gaines, whether it's a Lasita Smith, I have no idea, but I think if you're an offensive lineman looking for playing time, the Cardinals are your team. Yeah, I know. You're right about that. First of all, let us all rejoice that Monty Ossenford uh, believes in the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Can I just say thank you very much, Monty? I believe the blood sport is truly coming back to Arizona, and I think Monty Ossenford and his philosophy and JG's philosophy as well, I think is about the line of scrimmage, and you heard him say it right there. That's where it all starts. It's one thing to say it, Polly, but then you've got to believe it, right? You have to believe it. If you truly believe that, that means you're going to go and you're going to run physical schemes. You're going to use schemes that allow football players, whether it's offense or defensive linemen, to be physical at the point of attack. You're going to run an offense that is going to be physical at the point of attack. And then what do you do? You go get players that play in a very physical kind of way and enjoy that part of the game. So it starts with a thought, Paul Pauly. Then it moves into the realm of actually speaking that thought, and then you've got to go execute it. So for me, I love the fact that Monty was talking about the 
line of scrimmage. It's one thing to give it lip service, Paulie. Yep. It's another thing to actually do it. And once again, the stat, the last 15 drafts, the Cardinals had invested two. Just two first or second round picks in offensive linemen and defensive linemen over the last 15 drafts. Think about that. And then think about building from the inside out. It's not just some sort of marketing mantra. No, it really is their philosophy. So we name names, but then there they were in round five. Give me a quick thought on going quarterback out of Houston with Dorian Thompson-Robinson on the board. In fact, going the very next pick to Cleveland, but they took Clayton Toon out of Houston, 6'3", 220, and he calls himself, quote, the best QB in this class. Yeah, Paulie. Um, first of all, I don't know anything about Clayton Toon. I really do not. I don't know how many games you saw him play, Paulie. I did not see that Clayton That would be uh, zero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, I pull for every rookie because I remember what it was like to be a rookie right now. But you know me, Paul. I, I'm adopting a prove-it rookie mentality, and I always will right now. John Gaines sounds really, really confident, but he sounds almost too confident to me. (laughs) It's one of the reasons why I can't wait to see this young guy play, to see if he speaks a little bit differently once he actually gets a taste of the NFL and what the NFL is all about. You'd love a guy to be confident, but some of the stuff that Clayton Toon was talking about, for me, Paulie, I don't know if Tom Brady would say, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, just wait till Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are jumping the passing lanes, right? So, I mean, it's you know, I mean, maybe he was looking at his own scouting report. He had the best passing grade according to Pro Football Focus in all of college football. Had the highest on-target percentage of any QB in the class. So, some of the stats, some of the analytics would support his case, but still, he went fifth round pick number one thirty-nine to the Arizona Cardinals. All right, look, it's uh, and speaking of quarterbacks, look at the Cardinals' schedule coming up this year. Not only get the Niners, Rams, and Seahawks, you get the Cowboys, you get the Bengals and Joe Burrow, the Falcons, the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones and the Giants. For your Cardinals season tickets, go to azcardinals.com slash tickets. Steve Weich, NFL Network, he's going to join us next and give us his thoughts on the Cardinals' draft class from a national perspective as we continue. The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Without further ado, I'd like to bring Paris Johnson Jr., the newest member of the Arizona Cardinals, to the stage. My top 30 visit, I got some food here, walking through, um, look around the corner, I see him, I give him a head nod, trying to talk cool, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to act a fanboy, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, you know, it was good. And then he's like, hey, Pete, come here. I'm like, yo, he knows me. Type thing. So I'm walking over, I'll show you. I'm walking over, I'm texting my teammate, um, Luke Whipple, I'm like, dude, Kyle Murray, he knows who I am. You know what I mean? So, um, so I'm acting all cool and texting him. And I was like, yo, what's up? He's like, Paris, you know, I've seen you play, I've seen your pro day, I've seen all this. And he's like, I like, love what I see, I see how hard you play, the tenacity, the finish. And I would love for you to block for me. And I think just, just coming from a, a franchise guy, he said it before I had a chance to say it'd be an honor to play for him. Like he, he said it first, come out of his mouth first. And that's huge. Like, that's an honor, you know, and, and I respect that. Harris Johnson Jr., big man with a big personality, going to be a big key in that Cardinals offensive line. And it was a big happening on draft night, Wolf. You know Cardinals go from three down to 12, and then back up to six. Do you realize, Ron Wolfley, that there had not been a draft night trade in the top nine picks in the last four years? 
<laughs> I did not know that, Paulie. And that was executed by rookie GM Monty Ford. So when Jonathan Gannon said going into the draft, quote, I can't wait to see Monty work the phones on Thursday night, man, he wasn't kidding. And because, Wolf, you're sick of my opinion and I'm sick of your opinion, we're going to go out <laughs> to the phone lines. We're going to bring on NFL Network's chief national reporter, Steve Weish, joins us here on the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Steve, what'd you think of the Cardinals uh, draft night? In fact, the nickname was Monty Hall, as in the old 70s game show host, <laughs> H-A-U-L. How did it play at NFL Network headquarters and for you? Hey, maybe Monty Ball. I mean, because he was that <laughs> one. I mean, look, look the, the way, you know, and thanks for having me on, guys. I mean, I love the way that, look, everyone knew going into this draft that Arizona was going to have a ton of picks um, and, and a lot of opportunity, and frankly, you know, they could have kept the blindfold off and played pin the tail on the donkey and, and put that thing anywhere because there's just so many positions that needed to be addressed. And to be able to trade back, trade up, still get Paris Johnson at six, I mean, that was huge. I mean, we know that they, they have not really addressed the offensive line in years there. And to get one of the best offensive linemen in this draft, someone Kyler Murray liked, then, you know, to go back and get B.J. Ojolari off the edge – you know, they just addressed key positions that, you know, they just have not been able to do effectively, wide receiver, corner, you know, for years. And then to be able to garner the draft picks that they got in 2024, I mean, clearly, you know, you look at the draft and you say they got some good guys this year to help lay a foundation. And then for next year, they really got some, some incredible draft equity to do whatever it is they need to do to get to move up high in the draft to possibly move back and to get some more young players. So they've got like just a two year foundation of incredible talent to, to really, you know, to, to really get back to where they were a couple of years ago. Steve, I was totally blown away by all of Monty's machinations on draft day. Did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite move of his? Oh man, coming back up to six. Yeah. I mean, because, you, you, you know, you looked where, you know, because when Seattle, you know, went with Devin Witherspoon at five, you're like, okay, Detroit, you know Detroit's trying to get back right now. Okay, you just knew that they were trying to get back. And so who was going to come up? Because, you know, at the time, you know, was someone going to come up for Will Levis? Everyone thought that everyone's coming up with a quarterback, and three right. were off the board. So you're like, man, when Arizona moved up, you're like, they are going O-line or they're going edge right here. And they went all line, and I and I, and I love the move because again, they have not really addressed. I mean, I can't even think going back to when Kurt Warner was playing, when Wisnott was coaching, where they really invested this heavily with this type of talent, you know, in Paris Johnson at, on along the offensive line, and it's long overdue. So I, I salute that that move, the aggressiveness, and just the intentionality to, to really get this offensive line together and, and to get the key player to do so. Well, that's a smart observation because the stat was over the previous 15 drafts for the Arizona Cardinals in round one or round two, they had only taken two offensive linemen in D.J. Humphreys and then Jonathan Cooper, who had that injury early in his rookie year and was never the same. So right. you're right. There's a different philosophy in town in Monty Ford, Jonathan Gannon. We're on board with NFL Network's chief national reporter, Steve Weish. Maybe the best thing I heard all night, guys was I came home after round one, and I'm watching the NFL Network recap show. Mark Ross was on your set, former front office guy and now NFL Network analyst. He said, and I quote, I thought Houston gave up way too much 
I'm like, nice. That's because, <laughs> because Steve, isn't the thinking that the 2024 draft is already going to be stronger than this year's draft? And the Cardinals ended around one pick from Houston, which could easily be top five, around three yeah. pick from Houston, and then around three pick from Tennessee. That could be three extra picks in the top 80. Could be three extra picks, or you could package, you know, one of your thirds with another third to get up to the second. You know, there, there's just so many things that they can do. I mean, you knew when when Houston made this move, like, wow, you know, to come from 12 to three like that. I think Peter King said it brilliantly in his Monday column. That is franchise quarterback type of trade value, right? And that I mean, mm-hmm. it's like wow, and, and Arizona got it now. They took a little starch out of it by moving back up to six. Not much. Not much because, again, they could have two high picks next year or at least have two first-round picks to be able to maneuver, right? This is something like what the Dolphins did a couple years ago. Now, there could be some short-term pain, and and I think that's what everyone's expecting with Kyler Murray. Um, probably going to be out for a large chunk of the season and things like this. They could be competitive, but, you know, it's the expectation isn't really there, so to speak. And you could see – so many of the moves they again the moves they made to stock up on 2024 picks. So I think that's kind of the thinking. You know, that's the tea leaves that you're seeing with the Cardinals as well. Is let's get a foundation here this year. Let's add foundation and talent next year, and then we'll be ready to rock and roll. Steve, did you think that Paris Johnson Jr. was the best offensive lineman in the draft? You know, I'm not. I'm not a draft Nick, so it, it's hard. For me to sit there and evaluate, I just don't yeah. watch enough college football, so I, I it, it'd be unfair for me to answer this question. But I know people, um, you know, who I spoke with thought he was one of them. I think, you know, so much of it is scheme fit, you yeah. know, and what they want to do. And you know that the that the Cardinals are going to be that stretch zone schemes scheme stuff, that that Kyle Shanahan type of stuff to some degree. You know, yes. not not necessarily like the Niners. So you've got to have an athletic guy, but you know. Paris is a, is, is a man now. <laughs> that's yeah. a big. That's a big slice of dude. He's the highest drafted tackle from Ohio State since Orlando Pace. How about that? Yeah. How about that? And you know what Ohio State has done, and you know he's had to go up against great edge rushers. So, and and that's what you want because that that never ceases. You know, in the NFL, you're you're not going to get a playoff without somebody coming off the edge who's who's got the Pro Bowl type of potential. So, you know, th- this was a heck of a pick. And again, the fact that I was like, finally, finally, they've addressed this offensive line in the first round. NFL Network Chief National Reporter Steve Weish, our guest here on the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. How much interaction did you have the last couple of years with Jonathan Gannon as a D coordinator of the Eagles? And what's, I don't know, so your thumbnail on the Cardinals' new head coach? Well, not much. You know, since, since he was in Philly, we've got reporters on that side of the country. Even when he came this way, I just, I just did not have much interaction. However, over the past few months, um, Jonathan and I have had some conversations. I did a sit-down with him at the recent league meetings uh, at the Arizona Biltmore. Um, very engaging with me. You know, I mean, you, you see the stuff coming out of Philly and, and this and that, but he's very engaging, very friendly. Real, he, he's one of these guys, you know, he reminds you a little bit of Brandon Staley uh, with the charge. When, he's, when you ask him a question, sometimes he's incredibly detailed. Like, bang, 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 bang. And you go, okay, this, this, check, 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 check. And so, you know, we'll see. You know, this is the era of, you know, the, the, the offensive-minded coaches. But you're starting to see more defensive coaches get, get hired now because they've got to counter some of this offensive stuff. And, and so, you know, we'll see. 
you know, the the jury clearly is out on Jonathan. This is his first time, but, you know, a couple of years ago, Houston was really hot after him. He's, he's been, you know, a head coach candidate for a while. So, you know, I think this is one where everyone's just going to kind of wait and see exactly what the plan is because it's going to be hard to implement what this team is going to look like with Kyler Murray injured. You know, you really aren't going to know what the identity is with so many holes to fill on defense. So I, I think it's going to take a while to really know some things like we saw in Miami before Tua was healthy, some things we saw recently in Atlanta and Carolina where they're trying to build foundations before you can really see. And sometimes that takes two full draft classes you know, and some, and some free agent money to go out there and, and really put some pieces in place. Steve, I am really surprised that DeAndre Hopkins is still in Arizona Cardinal after the draft right now. Your take on the whole D-Hop situation. Yeah, I was kind of surprised for him to say, who said I wanted to leave? And I was kind of like, <laughs> didn't you say that you didn't need to adjust your contract? Didn't you say that you didn't want to play in a couple places and yet you would play in a couple places? I, I am surprised. I thought he would be a draft weekend trade, you know, for a team that wanted to get a player for Arizona to add more draft picks. But to kind of get, you know, look, now that we're post-draft, what did I just talk about? seems like Arizona would not mind getting more draft capital for 2024. So this could be something where going into training camp, you know, he, they work out a deal for him and the Cardinals get a 2024 draft pick and, and D-Hop, you know, gets to land you know, someplace where he might he might have an opportunity to be a little bit closer to a championship right now. I don't, I don't think, you know, that conversation or those talks are going to continue to stop, you know, especially once some teams see maybe what they have out of their young receivers and, and say, well, you know, let's go ahead and make a move for D-Hop now because these guys aren't quite ready yet. Am I overestimating what D-Hop might mean to a contender? For example, Buffalo. Last we saw them in the playoff loss to Cincinnati with Stephon Diggs and nobody else. KC obviously suffered some losses at the receiver spot. The Giants just came up for the Tennessee receiver. He might already be wide receiver one, right, and a third-round rookie. I mean, to me, I see D-Hop as a pivotal piece and a contender, especially in the AFC potentially. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's look, the AFC is now the conference of quarterbacks, and so you've got to get – you know, you've got to get wide receivers. I mean, you know, you, you see some of the also, I mean, it's also the conference. It's like a lot of Pro Bowl caliber secondaries. So to get someone like D-Hop, you know, and, and I looked with some of these teams, especially in the AFC East, you, know, you mentioned Buffalo. You know, I'm looking at the Jets as well. You know, if they get a player like him, when you've got to go up against Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard and all those guys twice a year, you know, that division is going to be super, super tough. And then you look at the AFC North, which from top to bottom is just really, really tough. Cleveland, this is a team we have not talked about enough, about being a potential playoff team. Um, you know, with Deshaun Watson having a full season now into that system and some of the moves that they've made, they could really use a player like him, you know, going up against some of the teams that they have in that division. So I, I think there's, there's definitely some teams that could use him. Do those teams want to give up whatever and pay him the $19 million he's owed? That's the big question. Salary is probably the, the big sticking point um, to move him. And, you know, a lot of teams just don't want to pay that kind of money. Steve, what is the state of football as you see it right now in 2023? Well, I mean, it's clearly still the king. I mean, you look at, you look at the TV ratings numbers. I mean, you, can't, you cannot deny it, especially compared to other sports the way internationally, the way it's grown, you know, the offensive 
rules. We've been talking about it for years. They're great. I think the AFC, again, with all of these quarterbacks this year, especially Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, it's going to be very interesting. You know, and, and Wolf, you know this, as someone who used to play, it's changed so much. It's just such yeah. a game of geometry and space and angles. So the athleticism is insane. I mean, look at look at the athletes, you know, coming out. Look at the quarterbacks yeah. that we just talked about. Anthony Richardson, let's take him number four. We don't know if he can play, but he's a great athlete, and we're going to run him if we have to. Teams weren't even saying that two or three years ago. Yeah. Right? And, and so, you know, I think these are some things. I think coaching has really evolved. They've taken so many of these things out of the youth leagues in high school and, you know, the seven-on-seven stuff and incorporated that into the play calling, which has made it very exciting. Um, unfortunately for players like yourself, the fullback is, is becoming kind of <laughs> a <laughs> they're still They still have them on. Yeah. Half the league has a fullback on their roster. Hey, was I'm there a saying. fullback drafted this year? Because there had only been two in the last four drafts. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Sorry, but, but, Sorry, but Steve. Steve, this is what I'm talking about, honestly, because you know what, four, I want to say about four or five years ago, that pendulum was swinging towards a new age offense. Everything was going to be new about football, and I think it's coming back a little bit more to the middle. I, I think the physicality of the game is going to come back a little bit more. I think a blending of the old and the new is coming back. Your thoughts on that? I'm so, I'm so glad you said that, because what, what did you notice in this draft? Not a ton of downhill linebackers were drafted high, but probably more than the past couple of years, like Jack Campbell going 16 to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Right? You're, because teams now are like, okay, we're going to spread you out, and now we're just going to pound you up the middle if we see a light box. <laughs> right? And, and so I, I'm with you. Look at the attention paid to guards you know, in draft and free agency. Right? They're, they're in right tackles. So – I do think some of that is coming into the game. I'm with you. I am all day. Give me 21, 22, whatever personnel, but give me a fullback, you know, <laughs> even if it's Kyle Juszczyk. Because I just think there's <laughs> yeah. so much. You know, now, now the, the Philadelphia Eagles, they just use 11 guys and do it, right? You know, on the goal line, they just go ahead and make that little cocoon and, and push everything. <laughs> but I, I do think the physicality in the middle of the field is starting to show up a, a little bit more. I don't know if we're ever going to completely get there, but it is cyclical in a way, you know, especially now with these running quarterbacks. And you have to, in the math, usually tilted, you know, you didn't have to account for the quarterbacks. The defenses were playing 11 on 10. Now they're playing 11 on 11 because so many of these guys are mobile. All right. So as we say goodbye here, Steve Weich, NFL Network chief national reporter and native of St. Louis, did you, here's a softball on our way out. Did you have a Ron Wolfley poster in your room growing up? <laughs> You know, and Wolf knows this, and, and I have to apologize to him. No, but I did have Wayne Morris. <laughs> oh, who had the 2-4 before me? Oh, Steve, thank wow. you so much, buddy, for See, that's joining tough. us. That's tough on Wolf. Wayne Morris before him, Adrian Wilson after him. <laughs> there you go. Tough deal. Tough. Steve, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. There okay, you go. Buddy. Steve Weish, NFL Network Chief National Reporter here on the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. As we continue talking Cardinals here the week after the draft. Snap to Murray. Short set. Throws left side in the end zone. One-handed catch for a touchdown.
touchdown by DeAndre Hopkins. Oh my goodness, he stabbed that out of the air with his left hand, pulled it in for a huge Cardinal score. Fantastic chemistry between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And you talk about those daggers, those steely knives, stabbed the pig with his left hand out of the air. I see everybody telling me to stay. Who said I want to go? Who said I wanted to leave? I'm out here working, baby. All right, that is DeAndre Hopkins earlier this week on social media. Quick video he posted of him working out here in the AZ. Uh, look, D. Hopkins still play. The question is, where? Where is he going to play? He's still an Arizona Cardinal, but for how long? It is the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Special thanks, Steve Weich, Senior NFL Network reporter, Paul Calvi, C. Ron Wolfley. And Wolf, look, has he actually said that he's leaving Arizona? No, but he did post back on January 11th on Instagram a picture with the inscription, Forever Grateful. He's also had Des Bryant and Von Miller as his hype men, respectively, for Dallas and Buffalo. And then, of course, he did the video podcast where they were throwing out possible destinations and trade partners, and he was making faces to approve or disapprove. So he's been a willing participant in some of the trade chatter out there at the very least. Yeah, he has, Paulie, no doubt about that. And I am surprised. I don't know about you, Paul, but I am surprised that he is still an Arizona Cardinal after the draft. Um, I thought going into the draft, Monty would want to clear that up. I thought going in the day of the draft, the morning of the draft, I thought maybe that first round he'd be moved. And then I thought, okay, if it didn't happen then, maybe it's going to happen on day two, before the draft day two. Well, that did not happen. <laughs> the draft came. It went, of course, and now you've got you've got DeAndre Hopkins still on this team. I am surprised. Having said that, Paul, I don't expect him to be on the team when they go to training camp. If he is, Paulie, can I tell you right now, I'm going to take that as a positive and hope that DeAndre Hopkins is going to come in here and model the culture that J.G. and Monty Ossenfort want. So now that you're past the draft, you have the big question to D-Hop and Buda Baker. They have one thing in common. Neither player reportedly has any guaranteed money left on their deal. And both might be in play, or at least the subject of trade rumors and reports. So on the Dave Pash podcast, here's Monty Ossenford on Buda and D-Hop. The key to, to both those situations is communication. And both D-Hop and Buda have been great with communicating with me back and forth um, with their, you know, their representation. So... I think, you know, understanding that, that players have opinions and ideas and, and things that go through their head, hey, that's, that's human nature. We all have that. that. That happens for all of us. But I think just continuing to have those conversations, and it's, it's exciting here right now. There's a, there's a good energy in the building, and, and um, we're just going to continue to keep those lines of communication open. And then another decision was made this week on the future of Isaiah Simmons, where the Cardinals declined to pick up the option, the fifth-year option, that would have guaranteed him $12.7 million in salary for 2024, which means that the draft class of 2020, where Isaiah was the number 8 pick overall, has easily set a mark for the fewest fifth-year options picked up across the league. That's just a hallmark of that class. But in particular with Isaiah Simmons, give us your thoughts there, Wolf. Yeah, Paulie, you know, I think it's all the uncertainty of how Isaiah Simmons is going to fit into the schemes 
that Nick Rollis, of course, and JG, Jonathan Gannon, want to actually run, Paulie. So to me, I look at that situation and think it was the uncertainty. That was the reason why they did it. They still can actually sign him, of course, if suddenly you put him out on the edge and he starts producing. Hey, Paulie, you can always approach him and say, hey, we're ready to extend you. Are you ready to do it? Now, that's a risk, of course, because Isaiah may say, hey, I'm going to continue to do what I do. I'm going to finish this season, become a free agent, and then we'll talk. Maybe that's what he's going to do. We'll have to wait and see, but um, either way, I would have done exactly what the Arizona Cardinals did because you don't know how he's going to fit in your scheme. Here was the analogy I used. To me, Isaiah Simmons is the NFL equivalent of an inkblot test. What do you see when you look at Isaiah Simmons? Yeah. Where do you see him lining up? Do you see him on the edge? Do you see him a weak side inside as an inside backer? Do you see him in the slot where he played the majority of his snaps? Do you see him more as a deep center field safety? We've seen him in that role as well. I mean, where exactly does he fit in this defense? It's it's like a Rorschach, you know? That's, I mean, wh- what are we seeing here? No, you're right, Paulie. That's the difficulty right now. For me, I think they're going to take him and stick him at the edge. That's what I think they're going to do. Stick him there and tell him, this is what we need from you on the edge. Can you do it? Give him that opportunity to see if he can. Well, think about it. They've moved Zayvon Collins out to the edge, at least based on the voluntary veteran minicamp. He was working with the outside linebackers, and we know they've signed a number of veteran inside linebackers, and they just drafted one in the fifth round as well. So, intriguing. We'll see. Indeed. Special thanks as always, Jim Almohandro, Mitch Vereldis, Steve Weich, thank you, Senior NFL Network reporter, joining us as we broke down the Cardinals Draft Class 2023. And by the way, a reminder, Season 6, Episode 3, Cardinals Flight Plan, streaming now via the Cardinals YouTube page, all about the uniforms behind the scenes, or behind the seams in this case, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Thanks for joining us on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.